Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 46. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give also as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and ruin every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. I know you've probably heard the old saying that Nothing brings people together like food. Good food makes everything better, doesn't it? Just does. But most of us, I'm sure, will agree with that. We, in fact, if we would recall um, most of our fondest memories, most of them have some type of food associated with them, whether it is grilling over the holidays or weddings or birthdays or even the repast at funerals. It might be a full table at Thanksgiving or hot dog at the ballpark or barbecue sandwich at Bucky's. That was just a little bit too much. Amen? Food helps define our lives and fellowships. Someone once said that finding comfort in food is a basic human experience. I think that's why it's called comfort food, beloved. In every culture around the world, meals are times of fellowship and comfort and love. Did you know that the word companion comes from two Latin words, meaning bread together. That's what companions do. They share bread. And in this sense, beloved, Jesus must have had a lot of companions because Jesus enjoyed eating. And when it came to food, beloved, you read of the life of Jesus and you see that Jesus wasn't turning down anything but his collar. If they had collars back then, I guess, but he ate. He ate with anyone. He ate at any time. And therefore, therefore, as we are going through Luke chapter 11, beloved, it shouldn't surprise us that we find Jesus not only being invited to a meal, but quickly accepting it. 
The only strange part about this is the company that he is about to keep. These were not those you might call his friends. But Jesus on this occasion, the Bible reminds us, was invited to lunch by a Pharisee. Now the Pharisees, as we know, were Jesus' self-professed and sworn enemies. They had committed themselves to undermining Jesus' ministry. They had committed themselves to challenging the truth of his teaching. They had committed themselves to discrediting Jesus among the people. And yet the interesting thing is, is that none of that stopped Jesus from accepting an invitation to dine with them. But Jesus, beloved, it was never just about the food. It was never just about the wine. You do understand in, in John chapter 2 and at the wedding in, in Cana, it wasn't just about the water into wine, beloved. It was about the new wine that Jesus had come to bring to God's people. In John chapter 6, it wasn't just about the fish and the loaves. But it was about the bread of heaven, the bread of life that had come down from heaven to give life to all who would believe. In Luke chapter 5, it wasn't just about a meal with sinners, but it was there that Christ was enacting the grace of God to those that others deemed unworthy and unwanted. And this morning we'll see that when Jesus accepted the invitation to dine with the Pharisees, it wasn't just about the bread or the matzo balls. It wasn't even about the Manischewitz. It's about the gospel. It was about the grace and truth of God. What we see, beloved, in this passage is Jesus bringing to life what the Bible had said about him in John chapter 1 and verse 17. Reminding the world that the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. With Jesus, is always about grace and truth. Grace and truth. And when we read a passage like this one this morning, beloved, it is important to understand that with Jesus, it's about grace and truth. And then when you understand that, perhaps you will understand who the Pharisees are. When you and I read a passage like this, it's important to understand who the Pharisees are. They were devoutly religious people, like most of us. 
They were sticklers for what they thought was right, like most of us. They were concerned with their own holiness and the holiness of others. They wanted to make sure that everybody was living right. Just like most of us tend to be. Unfortunately, beloved, these are the attitudes that become the breeding ground for legalism. And the Pharisees were legalists. You guessed it. Just like most of us. Tend to be, beloved. And this morning, if you will allow it, if you will allow it, Jesus will expose the legalism that often ails us, and by doing so, point us to himself, the grace and truth of God that heals us. There is a legalism that ails us. Jesus Christ, in his grace and truth, has come to heal us. If we would be healed this morning. Jesus accepted this invitation. And upon accepting this invitation, the Bible says that he went to the house of the Pharisees, he, he sat down, and apparently he began to eat. And according to verse 38... When the Pharisees saw Jesus eating, he was stunned. He was taken back. He was astonished. He was astonished because while there was some sanitizer there, Jesus did not avail himself to the sanitizer. Jesus failed to wash his hands before he start digging into the monster balls. He was taken back. And I can imagine that he was thinking to himself, was this man never taught good manners? Had he no regard for the law? Was he born outdoors? Well, yeah, he was, but that's... That's beside the point. For the Pharisee, you understand, beloved, godliness, I mean cleanliness, was next to godliness. And since cleanliness was next to godliness, didn't Jesus understand that the world is filled with all kinds of things and all kinds of people that could defile a person? Didn't Jesus know how easily a person becomes defiled? Now, the interesting thing, beloved, is that the Bible doesn't say 
that the Pharisees said any of this. The Bible doesn't say that he said anything to Jesus. But it didn't matter because he didn't have to. Jesus could see it on his face. The raised eyebrows, the turned down mouth, the roll of the eye, the typical expression of the legalist. But more than read it on his face, beloved, Jesus was unique in that he not only could read faces, he could read hearts. So not only was the Pharisee's displeasure probably on his face, it was surely on his heart. And Jesus looking at him and looking into him, you know what Jesus saw, beloved? Jesus knew a legalist when he saw one. Looked at him into his heart and could see what was there. He hasn't stopped looking, beloved. He still sees. He still knows. Jesus knows a legalist when he sees one. I wonder if we are so careful this morning. I am sensitive to this understanding because I used to be one. And I still, I still strive and at times struggle to embrace the grace that has saved me. And to live in the freedom that Christ has bought me. And to believe the songs that we sing about. What is a legalist, beloved? Well, a legalist... <coughs> is a person who believes in some form or fashion <coughs> that salvation or even satisfaction in God is brought about by what a person does or does not do. A person who believes in some form or fashion that salvation or even satisfaction in God is brought about by what a person does or does not do. They are usually very religious people. They know what the Bible says, but rarely understand what it means. They, 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 they focus primarily 
on what they believe is the truth of God, but neglect the grace of God. And therefore fail to truly embrace the Lord Jesus Christ, who is grace and truth. Grace and truth. And you see this in how Jesus answered the Pharisees. He answered the thoughts of the Pharisees by, the, by, by exposing the destructive nature of legalism and the legalists. He indicted the legalists. He exposed legalism. This word this morning, beloved, if you will allow it, will again be an exposure of the destructive nature of legalism in our lives and the legalists that we tend to be. And so from our text this morning, I just want to point out a few identifying marks of legalism. That's what I want to do this morning. We're not going to cover everything. But we're going to identify some marks, a few marks of legalism, but we're not only going to identify some few marks of legalism, what we're also going to do is point to the cross as the cure. But this is very important, beloved. This is where I try to live every day. I would have you to understand, beloved, that what the legalist does is the legalist sees the Bible as a rule book rather than the revelation of God's grace to sinners. It is a book of do's and don'ts rather than a revelation of what Christ has done to save us from our sins. This is what Jesus will indict the Pharisees for this morning. I pray he indict all the legalists and all the legalism that is in us this morning as well. Because as you sit there, beloved, and you read through this passage and you listen to this message, the, the legalists will see everyone else in this passage and fail to see themselves what you're going to hear, immediately you're going to bring to mind the words of Jesus and you're going to think about your husband or your wife. You're going to think about your child or you're going to think about a parent. You're going to think about a co-worker or you're going to think about a friend. And when you do that, then you fail to note that I am the Pharisee. I am the Pharisee this morning in need of grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Who am I in this passage? 
and the Pharisees. And Jesus wants to expose that. And there's a few ways he does it. Very simply. And the first one is that he shows that legalism is foolish. Okay? Legalism is foolish. He began by telling them the foolishness of their legalistic thinking. In verse 39, in verse 40. Then the Lord said to him, concerning his thoughts, concerning Jesus' uncleanness, the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people! You foolish people! Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? Foolishness! He calls it foolishness, beloved. And all you have to do is think on it for a minute. What is the point of cleaning the outside of the cup or the outside of the bowl and leave the inside stained? That is foolish. When I was growing up, I begged my mother for an automatic dishwasher. All the time. Tell the mother we need to get with the times. We need an automatic dishwasher. You know what she told me, right? She already had one. She already had one. And to this day, when I wash dishes, and yes, I do wash them from time to time. When I wash dishes, my wife will tell you that I have never used the dishwasher. I wash all the dishes by hand. Because when I was growing up, beloved, if you got it wrong, you had to wash them all over again. She would make you do it again. Looking only at the outside, the legalist always gets it wrong. Always gets it wrong, beloved. And Jesus was reminding all there And he's reminding us this morning that there are two facets to a person. There is the inside and there is the outside. There are the hands and there is the heart. And what the legalist in us likes to focus on, the legalist likes to focus on the hands. The outer appearance. Because that's what we see And therefore, that's what we judge. That's what we judge. The length of hair and the amount of tattoos. The length of skirts and the amount of jewelry. The one for whom you vote or whether you vote at all. You know, we should be reminded, beloved, 
You should always be reminded of what God said to Samuel. When Samuel was going to David's house to pick a king. You know what God reminded Samuel when he chose David as king over David's better looking brothers? 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. He told him that the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God, beloved, is not impressed with what we see. For God doesn't just judge hands. He judges hearts. We judge hands and we think we know hearts. Legalism is foolish, beloved, and the reason it's foolish is because clean hands don't necessarily mean clean hearts. This is the point that Jesus was communicating to them. Clean hearts only comes from the one who himself is clean. Christ. The legalist thinks and behaves and believes that scrubbing hands can scrub hearts. No, beloved, no heart is scrubbed simply by scrubbing hands. Good hearts only come from the one who is good. And Jesus said that there is none good but God. The, the, the legalist believes he or she is good. But the Christian knows, Romans 3 and 23, knows, for everyone has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. It is foolish to believe otherwise. Foolish, beloved. It is foolish to believe otherwise. It's absolutely foolish to believe that you are not a sinner and that you have not fallen short of the glory of God. That you have not fallen short of his glorious standards. That no matter how much you wash up and clean up, you are never clean enough. It is foolish to think otherwise. And that's why Jesus called them fools. And beloved, the worst fool of all is the self-righteous fool. And that's what legalism is. Legalism is not only foolish, but legalism is self-righteous. And the worst fool is the self-righteous fool. But the legalist wants to be recognized 
for what they do and who they are. That's what Jesus says in verse 43. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Now, beloved, listen. And you be honest with yourself this morning. And if we are honest this morning, self-righteousness plagues us all. Self-righteousness plays us all. Have you ever felt some kind of way because you weren't recognized for your contribution? Did you ever get offended because your name was left off the list? When they were thanking people for serving in VBS, did they fail to call your name? Did you feel some kind of way about that? The legalist, beloved, is not just hypocritical, but but he or she is self-righteous too. They believe, or better yet, we believe. We deserve recognition and we want what we deserve. You know why Jesus told the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18? You do you know why he told that parable? Well, verse 9 of chapter 18 tells you why Jesus told that parable. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Looking to be recognized for their good works and faithfulness. And the legalist, therefore, is never satisfied until he or she is recognized. Until he or she is recognized. And so, you know what the legalist does? The legalist will stop serving because they didn't call my name. The legalist will stop singing because they won't sing my song. The legalist will stop giving because they won't say thank you. But the Christian knows better than that, beloved. The Christian who understands grace and truth knows better than that because he or she knows that they are not deserving of anything from God except judgment for their sin. The Christian knows that the wages of sin are death. The Christian understands that there is none good No, not one. There is none righteous. There's none deserving of special treatment. There is none worthy of grace. That's why the songwriter said, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. There is nothing. The Christian knows that grace is not earned and mercy is not deserved. The Christian understands, as Paul did all the days of his life, that he is the worst of sinners, but I have been saved by grace.
And that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Not only is legalism foolish, beloved, but you do understand also it is self-righteous. And the Christian, the faithful Christian knows there is nothing righteous in me save what is in me by faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. But Jesus didn't stop there, beloved. He not only told the Pharisees that legalism is self-righteous and legalism is foolish, but when the lawyer chimed in, Jesus says, yeah, woe to you too. For you remind people that legalism is a burden. Legalism is a burden, beloved. It's foolish, it's self-righteous, and it's burdensome. There is a weight that legalism causes that makes people turn away from the church. That's what legalism does. It puts shackles and burdens on people. Woe to you, Jesus says in verse 46, woe to you lawyers also, for you loathe people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. What legalism does, beloved, is legalism has you wondering whether or not you're saved. So you know that you are trapped in legalistic thinking is that every day you're saying to yourself and you're looking at your life and the things you do and don't do and you're saying, God loves me, he loves me not. God loves me, he loves me not. God loves me, he loves me not. It makes you jump through hoops every day for the assurance of your salvation. And what the legalist then does, beloved, is not only does he or she bear that weight, that burden of proof on themselves, but then he or she puts it on other people. Makes Christianity a burden for other people. Makes Christianity difficult for other people. And come up with all these rules. You can't, you can't eat that. You can't drink that. You can't go there. You can't watch that. You can't wear this. Let me be clear this morning. If I am not clear about anything else, if following Jesus is a burden to you, then you have wrongly understood what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If following Jesus is burdensome, and you have been wrongly instructed on what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus frees. He doesn't bring bondage. He frees from the guilt of sin. He frees from the burden of regret. He frees from the weight of condemnation, beloved. It's what the Bible says in Romans 8 and 1. You know it. Do we believe it? For now, now the Bible says, now, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When? Now. Now, right now. You live your life free from condemnation. Legalism condemns, beloved. Jesus sets free. Grace sets free. And now we got to let the, the rubber hit the road. Someone asked me once, If I could speak to the younger me, what would I say to him? And I said, that's easy. I would tell him, don't take yourself so serious. Take sin seriously, beloved, but not yourself. Take sin seriously because sin is serious. Sin enslaves. Sin condemns. Sin disables. Sin destroys. Take it seriously. Why do you take it seriously? You take it seriously because, as DJ Khaled did, said, God did. God did. God did. He took sin seriously. That's the reason Jesus was born. Because God took sin seriously. That's why Jesus died. Because God took sin seriously. That's why Jesus rose from the grave. Because God took sin so seriously that he had to take it all away. Take it seriously. But not yourself so much. You are not perfect. And you're not going to be perfect. The people around you are not perfect. And they are not going to be perfect. You will fail. They will fail. You will fall. They will fall. Temptations will come. And on some days, it might seem like the devil is winning. 
But don't give up and don't give in and don't despair. Why? Because your life and your salvation is not in what you do or don't do, beloved. It is in what Christ has done. That is what matters. Our faith, beloved, is not summed up in WWJD. What would Jesus do? But rather our faith is summed up in WHJD. What has Jesus done? And what has he done? He has carried my sorrow. He has borne my grief. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was killed for my sins. He was crucified for my trespasses. He was raised for my justification. What has Jesus done? He has taken away all my sin. That's what he has done. All of it, beloved. All of it. All of it. That's hard to believe. I know it is hard to believe. It is hard to believe. But Christ has taken away all your sin. And you bear them no more. You are free. The hymn writer had it right. The hymn writer had it right. When he wrote that when Satan tempts you to despair and reminds you of the guilt within, what do you do? Upward you look and you see him there who made an end to all your sin. He made an end to all your sin. Take Jesus seriously. How about that? Take Jesus seriously. What he has done. What he has accomplished on your behalf. Take Jesus seriously. Not so much yourself, but Jesus. This is what Jesus was indicting the Pharisees for. Y'all taking yourselves too seriously. You really think you can do this. You really think you got this. You have nothing. It's Jesus. You take Jesus seriously. Why? Because legalism, beloved, is about you and me. That's what legalism is. Legalism makes life about you and me. Christianity, true, faithful Christianity, makes life about Jesus. Legalism focuses on what you and I do or don't do. Faithful Christianity focuses on what Christ has done. He has paid for all our sin. Trust him more, yourself less. Look to him more and yourself less. See Jesus as all and in all.
and know and know that you are safe. Not according to you keeping the law or any rule, but you are saved by grace. You are saved by grace this morning. You are saved by grace.